Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Good evening, Red Sox fans. How you doing? Welcome to another episode of the Believe in Red Sox podcast. We are one week away until opening day. Can you feel it deep in your loins? I know I can. Man, oh man. And they're opening it at home. You got to love that. You got to love that. We got a lot to talk about tonight. We're going to talk a little World Baseball Classic. Masataka Yoshida going off. We're going to talk the starting rotation that is set for the start of the season. We're going to talk the bench. We got a couple of bench spots that are still up for grabs. We're going to talk the bullpen. Bullpen's looking pretty good if you ask me. Welcome. Another episode of the Red Sox podcast. One week away until opening day. You know, it's always a bit of a grind getting through the start of the season, you know, getting through spring training to get to the start of the season. And, uh, you know, luckily we had the World Baseball Classic. That was fun, man. That was a lot of fun. Uh, There was a lot of debate, you know, World Baseball Classic. Is it good? Is it bad? You know, you had a lot of people arguing back and forth on Twitter. I think it's amazing. I, I, I'm completely sold on it. I was already sold on it, but it was so good. So good. And then you had Trout versus Otani at the end of it. I mean, come on. I mean, how amazing is that? I mean, it's just a storybook finish right there. And I, it, it, I don't know. You know, you, you remember Arian Foster uh, talking on a podcast saying the NFL was scripted. I mean, man, if there's ever an argument for for the game to be scripted, it was that moment, but I don't even care. Scripted or not, that was amazing. Uh, Seeing Otani and Trout, two of the best players, if if not the top two players in the world, just going at it uh, with a WBC title on the line, that was absolutely fantastic. But, uh, hey, hey, it's cool to see. You know, all these stars playing in the WBC. But the one that I was really focusing on, if I'm going to be completely honest here, was Masataka Yoshida. Uh, an amazing performance from him. Uh, he was great in this entire tournament. Uh, Japan as a whole was just amazing to watch. I picked them to win the entire thing going into it. But, man, Yoshida really put on a show. He was very entertaining to watch. And uh, I'm going to break that down. I'm going to look at his stats with all of you. And, uh, hey, we're going to, you know, maybe even do a little preview on his season coming up here in 2023. Can that translate to the regular season with the Red Sox? I really think it can. And uh, I'm excited for it. But we're going to talk that. Uh, We're going to talk the starting rotation. We're going to talk the bullpen. We're going to talk the bench. You know, you're starting to see spring training kind of wrap up a little here. We got one more week. Guys fighting for the last spots on the team. Bench spots. Last spots in the bullpen. Uh, You know, still trying to figure out what this lineup is going to look like. I have a I'm wondering how maybe this lineup could look. People have been wondering who's going to be the leadoff guy. I'm going to dive into that just a little bit. I got maybe an idea kind of based off of how a few games have been going in the spring, how Cora has been setting the lineup. I have one guy that I wonder could maybe be the leadoff guy. I'll talk about that in just a little bit. Uh, but everyone, before I do get into it. I have to go over tonight's sponsor of the show, and that is Bet Online. Make sure you use the code BELIEVE. You get a 50% welcome bonus. Bet Online, they're the leader in sports betting. Wherever you do your sports betting, you got to at least check out Bet Online. They got a lot of great deals over there. They got a lot of fun games to be playing over there. You got Major League Baseball coming up in a week, so get yourselves ready for that. But whether or not you're betting UFC, basketball, whatever it may be, Bet Online is your number one source for all of your sports betting needs. Again, use the code BELIEVE. You get a 50% welcome bonus. So, everyone, let's just dive into it here. We got a lot to talk about, like I said. And, and first things first, I want to talk Masataka Yoshida. Uh, taking a look here, this guy's numbers uh, were just off the charts. He led the entire WBC and RBIs. Over seven games, 22 at-bats. You know, it's kind of funny when I, you know, thinking back to the WBC, I thought it went a lot longer. I don't know why. I thought they were played way more games. It just, I was, I was just loving every second of it. But it, I'm looking, they only played seven games where Yoshida did and Team USA. Um, but 
you know, I, I thought it went longer than that. But either way, I digress. 13 RBIs for Yoshida in the tournament. That led the entire World Baseball Classic. He had nine hits over the 22 at-bats. Overall, he hit 409, a 531 on base. I'm just saying. I want to point out one more thing here. In the 22 at-bats, he only struck out one time. That's pretty good. That's pretty good if you ask me. Now, I understand, you know, maybe not going up against some of the best pitching in the world, especially early on. Uh, but, man, when you got to those later stages, you know, they played Mexico, USA in the final. You know, play, going up against some better pitching. Only struck out one time in this thing. That's really good to see. Uh, that just shows to me this guy's the real deal when it comes to just getting on base and not striking out. I mean, come on, one strikeout in this entire thing? Are you kidding me? But overall, he hit 409. A 531 on base. That's just insane. Getting on base over half the time. That's nuts. A 727 slugging, a 1258 OPS overall. I'm extremely excited for Masataki Yoshida this year. I really think, you know, a lot of people, when they're seeing what this guy could do on the big stage, a lot of people were pointing out the fact that a lot of organizations were kind of laughing at the fact that the Red Sox, uh, quote, overpaid. For Masataki Yoshida. The one thing that stuck out to me with the Yoshida signing was how quickly the Red Sox jumped on him, right? Remember when he got posted? It was like a, I think it was the next day after he got posted. Usually when these guys get officially posted, you know, from Japan, it usually takes a little bit, right? You know, Dice K, Yu Darvish, Otani, there's always like that process. And, uh, but Yoshida, it was like immediately after he got posted and the Red Sox just jumped all over him. You know, sure, maybe did the Red Sox offer a deal that was way ahead of other teams? You know, maybe. But to me, that showed that the Red Sox were absolutely dead set on getting this guy. They had been scouting him for the last, what, three, four years over in Japan. They did their homework on this guy, and they're completely sold. And right now, he is looking like the real deal. And uh, like I said, showing it on the big stage in the World Baseball Classic. But uh, Fangraphs, they are projecting him for a very healthy season this year, hitting 302 with a 379 on base, a 484 slugging, 18 homers. They're actually only projecting 123 games for him. But I mean... I don't see why he couldn't play at least 150, 155. I, I don't see why they're only looking at 123. Fangraphs tends to be a bit more conservative when they come to uh, their projections. But either way, these are great-looking numbers. So the fact that they have him hitting 18 home runs in 123 games, you know, he definitely has a chance, I think, at 25 home runs. Uh, especially with, you know, r right there, Pesky's pole. I could definitely see him wrapping a few around that pole. Would not be surprised at all to see him in that 22 to 25 home run range. They're looking at a 3.5 Fangraph war. Um, I'm excited. I, I really do think, you know, it's kind of funny I mean, when you look at these guys coming over from Japan, they're they're already pretty seasoned, you know, good competition over in Japan. And that's why you can see Team Japan winning, uh, their third World Baseball Classic. It's good baseball over there. Very disciplined players. And uh, so it's it's kind of funny when they come over to the major leagues. They are considered rookies because it's their first year in the major leagues. So it's almost kind of like, I don't want to say it's cheating almost, but you know technically he is a rookie. Uh, it, if he has this kind of a season like they're projecting, I, I don't see why he couldn't win Rookie of the Year. I mean, you know, I'm just saying. Uh, either way, I'm very excited for the season that I really, I'm just, I'm sorry. Like after seeing what he did and just watching him and watching his at bats and seeing how patient he was, he was just such a tough out every at bat, even the, even the at bats where he got out, he just always was tough on the picture. I'm excited for it, man. I'm excited. We also did have, uh, Alex Verdugo in the world baseball classic barely knocked out by Japan. You know, that was a heartbreaker for Mexico in the semifinal. It was looking like, man, could Mexico actually do this thing and beat Japan just came up short, but uh, don't forget Verdugo was in this tournament. Uh, 23 at bat, six games didn't look so hot. He only had a few hits over the 23 at bats. But the one thing that does jump out to me a little bit is he only struck out two times 
So that to me, and he, he sure he could have walked a little bit more. Uh, you would have liked to have seen that, but that showed to me that he was being really aggressive, uh, getting a lot, putting a lot of balls in play. So that is nice to see, you know, but uh, I definitely would like for these numbers to come up a little bit overall in the six games, 23 at bats, he hit 130 with a 222 on base and a 174 slugging. So those numbers are no bueno, uh, but Hey, get him back to camp one more week. Uh, I'm a, Hey, a lot of people are expecting Verdugo to do a bit better this coming season. And, uh, I mean, yeah, you know, WBC, you know, sure. This is, you know, spring training form. You know, these numbers don't necessarily always translate to the regular season. He could end up just starting off really hot in the regular season. We'll just have to wait and see. Uh, Would have liked some better numbers for Verdugo, but uh, nice to see that he was putting the ball in play in the WBC. He did have a clutch hit uh, in the the semifinal game against Japan, so that was good to see. And, uh, hey, you know. We'll see how it goes for Mr. Alex Verdugo. But, uh, hey, World Baseball Classic, a lot of fun to watch. Um, me, Ball Cap Sports, and Wardy NYM, uh, we did a post-game stream. If you want to see more of our thoughts on the World Baseball Classic tournament as a whole, uh, go check that out. Um, hey, it was a pretty fun stream. Talked for about an hour, and uh, we all, I feel like, really dove into the WBC as a whole, gave our thoughts, talked about... You know, the debate going back and forth, whether or not the WBC is, you know, good for baseball. I think it's obvious that it's good for baseball. But, hey, there are some people out there, you know, radio stations out there. There's one radio station out in New York or something. I don't know what the guy's name is, but he is just, like, very against the WBC. Uh, You know, KFC from Barstool, completely against it. So, however, the numbers speak for themselves. Uh I think overall it was a huge success and uh, and obviously a very big success for Masataka Yoshida. So uh, let's move on here. We got some news to dive into for the Red Sox. You know, like I said, WBC, very exciting. But hey, we got opening day in a week. Uh, so we got to start getting our minds right. We got to start getting our minds on the 2023 Red Sox. And uh, the first thing I am going to talk about is the starting rotation it is set uh according to chris henrique i think i'm saying that right if if i'm boxing that i apologize chris i think it's chris henrique chris henrique i'm not quite sure uh but he has here Corey kluber opening day we already knew that chris sale the number two tanner hauk will be the number three cutter crawford at number four and nick pavetta at number five to open up the season. Uh, and Garrett Whitlock, Brian Bayo, and James Paxton will be opening the season on the IL. Uh, they're looking, you know, the, the Garrett Whitlock, he was pushed back a little bit. Uh, Brian Bayo, he was having some forearm issues early on in spring, and they really wanted to be careful of that. James Paxton was looking good in that start, but then he tweaked his hamstring. Ugh, James Paxton, man. Ugh. I, I hope I hope he has a healthy season this year. The guy really needs it. But uh, those three guys, IL to open the season, they will be back eventually. You know, so obviously this rotation is not looking strong to open up the season. Uh, you know, Kluber sale at the top. I'm okay with that. It's going to be interesting for these three guys in the rotation: Tanner Hout, Cutter Crawford, and Nick Pavetta. You know, it could always just shake out or shake up on its own. You know. You know, who knows? Maybe something ends up happening with how Crawford or Prevetta health-wise. I, I don't. I, I hope not. I want all of these guys to be healthy. But you know, maybe you know Whitlock, Bayo, and Paxton. They just easily slide into this rotation. But then I also wonder too. What if Hauk is pitching well? You know, what if Cutter Crawford is pitching well? What if Pavetta is pitching well? That, that's going to be interesting uh, to see how it all shakes out when Whitlock, Bayo, and Paxton do come back. So that'll be interesting. But I do think it'll it'll just work itself out, just like it always does. Hauk, I've been more looking at as a guy that can be sort of like that utility knife for this Red Sox team. He can make spot starts. He can go in the bullpen. You know, he, he has that ability to bounce back and forth. So I'm not really too worried about Tanner Hauk, you know, whether what his role is going to be. Uh, the guy obviously has flexibility, so I think it's going to be fine with him. Nick Pavetta, I think, is the really interesting one out of this group. You know, Pavetta's been the workhorse guy for the Red Sox. 
over the last couple of years. You know, he balled out in the playoffs a couple of years ago. He was absolutely amazing. However, Nick Pavetta, very up and down season last year. He started off the season just horrible. And then he went on just a run that people were wondering if this guy was an all-star. And then after uh, the trade deadline, you know, July, after the all-star break, going into the trade deadline, August, he was looking really rough. He was just very up and down last year. And so far uh, this spring, he has not been looking very sharp. Uh, He had four innings a few days ago against the Phillies. Uh, four innings pitch, gave up four runs, gave up a couple of homers in that game. Uh, the game before that against Detroit, pretty good. Had four innings against Detroit, only gave up the run. So that was a pretty decent start. Uh, you know, First start against Houston, he was getting knocked around. Against the Yankees, he had a couple innings, gave up a few hits and a couple of runs, and he walked a few guys. But the Philly start was a little concerning a few days ago, giving up two home runs in the four innings. I'm a little worried about Nick Pavetta in this rotation. I'm wondering what his role is going to be. If Whitlock, Bayo, and Paxton, you know, they all come back, how can Crawford, you can move these guys to the bullpen. Uh, I'm not really too worried about those two guys. Carter Crawford, uh, before I get back to Nick Pavetta here, I, I want to just touch on Carter Crawford here. He's been having a good spring. You know, he's pitched in four games. He's had three starts, uh, a 2.03 ERA. If I were to pull up so far, his... Uh, his starts in spring training. Uh, he's been very solid. I mean, look at the game that he had against Baltimore his last time out back on March 18th. Uh, he went he went into the fifth inning, only gave up three hits, only walked a couple of guys. He had five strikeouts in that game. You know, Cutter Crawford, besides he did pitch against Baltimore as well in the start before that, got touched up a little bit, five hits and three runs, but he looked good against the Marlins in his first game. He didn't start that game. He came out of the bullpen. He pitched three shutout innings with three strikeouts. But, hey, the last start against Baltimore, he looked really good. So I think his next start is tomorrow. I would think he's on track for tomorrow's start. I haven't looked at the at the starter for tomorrow. But I'm liking Cutter Crawford. But, you know, to me, this is a guy who can go into the long relief role. He can go into a middle relief role. Uh, kind of him and Tanner Houck have that ability where they can make spot starts, they can go into the bullpen. You know, one thing with Cutter Crawford is he has a pretty decent mix of pitches. You know, he's going to throw the fastball. He's going to have a cutter. uh, He's going to have a slider as well. You know, he's got a good mix of pitches. And last year, the ERA didn't look great. Uh, He had a 5.47 ERA, but he had a 4.34 FIP, and the XFIP was a 4.33. Now, those aren't mind-blowing numbers by any means, but they're not bad. They're not bad numbers at all. And, you know, that was really his first full taste of Major League Baseball. You know, he had come up uh, for one start in 2021, <laughs> actually, believe it or not. That was uh, that was the game I went to his uh, Major League debut. So <laughs> that uh, did not go very well. Um, but coming back up last year, he looked better. So there was one, I believe one star against the Mariners, if my memory serves me correctly. He looked really good in that star. I believe it was in Seattle. Uh, but Crawford, hey man, I think this is a guy who could contribute this year. You know, he's a guy, he can start games. He can pitch long relief. So I'm not worried about Hauk and Crawford. The one guy that's a, it's a little awkward is Pavetta. So let's get back to Pavetta here. You know, I don't know, because this is a guy I don't think he has really pitched out of the bullpen. I mean, at least absolutely over the last couple of years, he hasn't really pitched out of the bullpen. So let's actually pull this up here. I don't think he has really come out of the bullpen all that much. Because uh, prior to the Red Sox, he was with the Phillies. And uh, so he he came out of the bullpen a bit in 2019. He had 30 games. He had 13 stars. So that was a healthy amount of bullpen appearances. 2018... He had 32 starts, one outing out of the bullpen. He had 26 starts. So he hasn't really shown that he's much of a reliever, you know? So I do wonder what ends up happening with him. Obviously, I think you got to keep the guy on the team, you know? I mean, could, you know, with Cutter Crawford, I believe Crawford, he still has options. Crawford has a couple of options. So could you send Crawford down? 
to AAA, you know, just keep getting some more work. And then Pavetta could go into the long relief role. I think that's possible too. But right now, if there is an odd man out, you know, if you're looking at Kluber and Sale at the top of the rotation, I mean, I don't know, man. You got Whitlock, Bayo, and Paxton. If they all come back. Now, Paxton's a big if. So, you know, we could be getting ahead of ourselves right now. You don't know what Paxton is going to give you. Um, I mean, even Bayo, could that forearm flare up? Who knows? But let's say all three of those guys are healthy. They're ready to go. I mean, I, 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 I think Pavetta gets bumped out. I have been seeing some people saying, you know, you should just put Whitlock in the bullpen. A part of me just wants to still see him in the bullpen, if I'm going to be completely honest with you. It's it's because he's been so successful out of the bullpen. Um, Garrett Whitlock, to me, is that Jonathan Papelbon. You know, when you look at, if you go back, you know, 2006, you know, when Papelbon came up, you know, and people were saying, oh, he should be the star, he should be a starter, and he, you know, whatever. Papelbon's like, nah, man, make me the closer. He really took that by the horns, and he ended up being, you know, the greatest closer in Red Sox history. Um, so Whitlock reminds me of that. I don't know, man. You know, it's interesting. But Whitlock, it seems like he wants to start. The Red Sox want him to start. So, hey, put him in the rotation then. But I, I can't argue with those people that still want him in the bullpen because he has shown how good he is in that bullpen. So... I don't know. Could you end up doing that if you're the Red Sox? Could you still make that that that, that switch? I don't know. Um, it's just, you know, it is a little awkward looking at this rotation when these three guys are ready to go. How is it going to shake up? Um, if you're asking me personally, I'm definitely, you know, let's say Kluber Sale, they're healthy, they're fine, nothing's going on with them. And you got Whitlock, Bayo, and Paxton, they all come back healthy. To me, how can Crawford, they, co they go to the bullpen, no doubt. I'm not, I'm completely for that. And man, you know, a part of me would love to just put Whitlock in the bullpen and just keep Pavetta as like your number five guy or your four and then have Bayo as your five and then Paxton's your three. A part of me would still love to see Whitlock in the bullpen. I can't really argue that because it's, I loved him in that bullpen role. He was so good. Um... And I felt, and when I saw him starting games last year, it felt like he was just really grinding, you know, through those starts. It felt like he was really just trying to wiggle out of jams a lot, and he was getting himself into trouble. He was falling behind in counts. He just seemed so much more comfortable in that bullpen role. I don't know. Me, you know, my heart says to have a rotation of Kluber, Sale, Paxton of Healthy you know, and, and Bayo and Pavetta, you know, and then Whitlock goes to the bullpen and like a key role at the back end, you know, Jansen and Whitlock at the back end of the bullpen. I mean, that's pretty locked down. You can't really argue that. Um, but, you know, if uh, if, Whitlock, if Whitlock goes to the rotation, then I, I think you ha you got to keep Pavetta on this team. You can't just like, you know, DFA the guy. Um, in all honesty, I don't even know. It depends on how Pavetta is actually doing too. I mean, that's going to be an interesting. Uh, that's going to be interesting as well, just because he has not been looking great in the spring, but he has no more options for the minors. You know, he's got a couple more years until he hits free agency. It's like I don't know. Do you do the Red Sox end up DFAing him? You know, is that a possibility as well? I would think with a veteran guy like him who's shown that he can give you innings. I would think it's way more valuable to keep him on this on this team. Um, I would imagine. I don't know if he would accept an assignment to go to the minors. You know, let's and we're just saying if he has a rough start. I don't know. You know, it's going to be really interesting to see how it shakes up with Pavetta. Um, but yeah, you know. But either way, that's the rotation to start off the year: Kluber, Sale, Hout, Crawford, and Pavetta. And uh, hey. We'll all be keeping our eyes out for Whitlock, Bayo, and Paxton when they return. So uh, let's move on here. Uh, let's talk about some other parts of the team. Uh, next up, let's talk about the bench, shall we? We got uh, we got a, a couple of battles here on the bench, uh, and you know there's a there's definitely an argument for you know a few of these guys here. 
Um, but the one I want to start off with, I want to talk about Bobby Dahlback and Yu Chang. Now, if you remember, Yu Chang was awesome in the WBC. He was really good, man. He was coming up with some clutch hits. I, I, I can't. Was it a grand slam that he hit in the group rounds? I can't fully remember. But he was going off in that WBC. Uh, but the problem with Yu Chang right now is he's having issues with his visa. So he is actually not even back in the States yet. And uh, that's giving Bobby Dahlback a lot more opportunities. So you might be thinking, well, Yu Chang, he's a guy that can play all over the infield. He can play multiple infield positions. Well, Bobby Dahlback, he's actually been playing all over the infield this spring. If you go take a look here, uh, I'll get to the numbers in just a second with Dahlback. But this spring so far, he's played seven games at third base, and he's actually played five games at short. That's you, Bobby Dahlback is shortstop, man. Like, I never would have thought I'd see it. Um, but if you remember, you know, when he was drafted, a lot of people were pretty high on his defense. That was like one thing about Dahlback, where even fan graphs, they give him a 55 future value at on the on his fielding that's really good so uh that was the one thing with him he didn't really have much of a hit tool as a prospect but he had power right not a whole lot of speed but he was good in the field good feet not the fastest guy out there but a guy that just has good instincts out in the field good footwork and uh actually Alex Cora uh he was talking about Bobby Dahlback uh playing in this kind of utility role. Uh, he was saying here, his actions are great. Bobby was like the best defensive third baseman in college baseball when he got drafted. And the way he moves, he's a good defender. The way he thinks the game defensively is very impressive and his arm plays everywhere. So he's a great athlete. Um, but, so, and again, the reason he is even being considered for this utility role is because Yu Chang isn't even back yet. So, and if you look at Bobby Dahlback, he's been getting a lot of at-bats this spring. He's got 48 at-bats this spring so far. Um, he's not having a bad spring at all. He's hitting 250, a 321 on base, and 863 OPS. If Dahlback had those numbers last year, I would have been completely happy with that, to be completely honest with you. I think those are pretty solid numbers overall. He's got a couple of homers, six RBIs. I think there's a real chance that he ends up being your utility guy, you know, and Cora loves that. You know, that's something Heim Bloom really likes to get. It really, he looks at players a lot that can play multiple positions. And uh, it looks like maybe they have found something here with Dahlback because this is a guy, he's blocked at third with Devers. Tristan Casas is your first baseman. So people are wondering, what do you do with Dahlback at this point? Well, it looks like he's going to, at this point, I'm thinking he's going to be your utility guy off the bench. Uh, and he's going to find ways to get into the lineup. I'm sure you can stick him out in the outfield, you know, here and there too. If you want to get a right-handed bat, I'm sure they'll stick him out there. I, I, I wonder if they would, uh, I'm sure they would be comfortable with it, you know, at least in left. I don't know. But um, either way, when you, you're sure, you know, good spring, you know, with the number wise, he's been playing a bunch of different positions he is definitely going to need to show something this year. I mean, last year, only hitting 215, a 283 on base, a 369 slugging. I mean, those numbers just aren't going to cut it. You know, 2021, these are way better numbers. You know, looking at the 25 home runs, those jump off the page, a 494 slugging. Uh, you know, those are way better numbers. Um, but he is going to have to really pick it up with the bat this year. Um We'll see if he ends up being the utility guy, you know, to start off. I, I think they're probably going to do that at this point because Chang, you know, sure, he was getting a lot of action in the WBC, but he has not played in like a little while now. Um, so we're going to have to wait and see how it, how it ends up kind of shaking out. But I do think Dahlback, at least to start the year, will be the utility guy. And then Chang, you know, could he end up, you know, when he does, when he is ready, could he end up going to like AAA or something like that? I'm not quite sure. It'll be interesting. Uh, the one thing with Dahlback is he has options. He has two more options left. So they could just send him down and then Chang could be your guy. Um, you know, last year, I mean, Chang, he was 
actually last year he was with four different teams. He was with Cleveland, Pittsburgh, the Rays, and then he was with the Red Sox for 11 games towards the end of the year. You know, it's funny because he hasn't really shown much in the major leagues. You know, WBC, sure, he was on fire, but he has never really shown all that much in the major leagues. Uh, He's not really going to give you a whole lot of power. He's a guy that's going to be able to, you know, like I said, play different positions, but he's not really going to be an impact bat. So I am interested to see how they end up approaching it. Um, You know, but I do think Dahlback will be the guy to start off the year because Chang, I think, is just a bit behind right now, you know, with the visa issues. And uh, taking a look at the rest of the bench, um, and, you know, honestly, like really the only guy on this bench right now that has like a locked-in role is Rob Refsnyder. He's your right-handed uh, backup outfielder. Th- that's solidified. So Refsnyder's not going anywhere. Now we already talked about Dahlbeck. Um, the other two guys, right here, Fangraphs has it projected that Jorge Alfaro is looking like the backup catcher, and Raymel Tapia will be the left-handed backup outfielder. Now let's talk about those guys. Uh, I like Alfaro, man. He has been having a really solid spring. Uh, He hit a bomb the other day, man. Look at the spring that he's been having. Eight games. I believe he was in the WBC. Was he in the WBC? My my memory is going completely blank on me right now. But eight games overall this spring, uh, 21 ABs, hitting 524. He's got 11 hits over 21 at-bats. He's got a couple of homers. I mean, he's already starting to become a bit of a fan favorite. Because I'm seeing people calling him Aquaman. That's when you know Red Sox fans are really into a guy, right? Because, or when they give him a nickname, right? Now that he's he's Aquaman. Like, he's already beloved by Red Sox fans. And uh, I'm just saying, man. But he's looking really good offensively. He has a good arm. He's not going to be amazing when it comes to the defense. But he has a good arm. But I don't think the Red Sox really need an amazing glove off the bench because Reese McGuire is a really good glove and he's going to be your starting catcher. I think, you know, this time around, you know, I think it's fine that you have a very glove heavy starting catcher and then you can have more offense off the bench. And without Faro, it's not a bad option to have at all because this is a guy that can hit for power he can make things happen you know especially with the green monster there right-handed bat at Fenway Park like him I I think that's perfect so right now I'm liking Alfaro as the catcher you know Connor Wong you know coming in to uh coming into spring training I'm thinking it's going to be Connor Wong uh but he's been dealing with some injuries this spring I like Connor Wong in terms of his defense but I think Alfaro is just the right guy Right now, I'm not saying Wong, you know, couldn't maybe do something, you know, with the team at some point this year, or maybe he ends up being the backup next year. Uh, I think Alfaro is the guy, personally. Uh, Let's have Aquaman on the bench. And then uh, the other guy that's listed here is uh, Raymel Tapia, right? Raymel Tapia, man, he was hot. He was absolutely, he was hot this spring, man. And uh, let's actually pull him up here. Taking a look, Raymel Tapia, where is he? He's been getting a few at-bats this spring. Let's see. Let's see. Tapia, where are you at? Hold on one second. I can't find Tapia. There he is. 15 games this spring. Uh, he's hitting 325, a 372 on base, a 600 slugging. This guy's been going off this spring. Now I'm not saying that spring training numbers are going to translate to, you know, major leagues. It's funny because guys can have really good springs and then they get to the majors, you know, opening day. And then they just, they kind of just turn into duds. Right. But Tapia, I think to me is a good guy to have on this bench, right? He's got speed. He's a left-handed bat. You know, another guy that I think could be like a, like a fan favorite kind of a guy, you know, he kind of reminds me in a way of like Pokey Reese with the 2004 Red Sox, like fans loved him. A guy that just kind of gave you the little things. You know, Pokey Reese was a guy, right? Great glove, had some speed, had a little bit of swagger to him. You know, Raymel Tapia is kind of that guy to me. You know, he's just got like a, a thing about him. You know, he's all he's always had something about him, and uh, 
And hey, I, I would not mind that speed off the bench. Now the other guy, now the other guy is Jaron Duran. You know, Jaron Duran, you know, coming into spring training, he had been uh, working on a, a different approach when it comes to his swing. He kind of altered his mechanics a little bit, uh, shortened his swing a little bit to get, you know, get a little quicker to the ball. And, uh, you know, Jaron Duran, if we actually here pull up the numbers, because uh, remember, he was with uh, he was with Mexico, right? So actually, I think, let me see here. So, yeah, actually, <laughs> with Duran, he didn't play all that much. He played in six games overall, uh, but he only had five at-bats. He didn't have a hit at all, um, and he struck out a couple of times. He had a couple of stolen bases, right? So, you know, it, it's funny with Duran, you know, because could you make the argument that maybe it would have been better for Duran to, you know, I understand, you know, if, you know, a guy wants to go play for his country and he wants to represent his country. I get that. But I wonder if Duran was a guy, it would have been maybe a bit more beneficial to be playing at camp, right? Especially because he wasn't getting a whole lot of at-bats in the WBC. I think it might have it might have served him well if he had stayed in camp because he, he only had five at-bats there. You know, he didn't even get a hit. But, uh, you know, Duran, that is, again, that's one thing that uh, he has worked on. You know, different mechanics. And we know with Duran, he's going to have that speed. You know, there was a lot. He was having some issues last year, right? He had some moments last year. He, he was looking really good. But the noise was starting to get to him a little bit. He even talked about it. He said he was kind of, he was reading into what people were saying about him too much. He was struggling a lot. He had that infamous play uh, in Toronto where he just lost the ball. And then it flew over his head and ended up, was that Ray Mel Tapia? I think that was Tapia, right? He had the inside the park home run. Um, that was, that was a pretty rough spot, you know, for Duran, you know, he just completely lost the ball and he was standing there like with his arms up, right? He had no idea. So he took a lot of heat last year, man. And, uh, again, it's like, he's hit well in, in the minors, but when it comes to the majors, he just hasn't fully figured it out yet. Uh, to me, I, I think you gotta go with Tapia at this point you know it and again I'm saying I feel like Durang should have stayed at camp I mean I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fault the guy for going to play for Mexico I mean if that's what he wanted to do I, I think that's great uh but man I feel like just more at bats would have been good for him you know and I just think Tapia's won this job I, I just think he's got the skills and Tapia has shown that he can produce in the major leagues. Now, he's not going to give you a ton of numbers by any means, but he has shown success at the major league level. Last year with Toronto, he hit 265. You know, he had eight stolen bases last year, 52 RBIs, you know, over 128 games. Not amazing numbers by any means, but this is a guy that can come off the bench, you know, and he can give you speed and he, he's going to be good in the field and he's got a good arm out there. To me, I think Tapia is the guy for that bench spot. And, I, and I'm going to have Duran start at AAA, you know, because he needs the at-bats, you know. And I think Duran right now, he's behind on at-bats. And I think, to me, you know, one week of at-bats just really – I don't think it's going to be enough for him. And I, and I wouldn't want to stick him on the major league team when he just hasn't been getting a whole lot of at-bats. So – you know, I'm starting him at AAA, and I'm going to give Tapia the job, you know, for for the fourth spot on the bench. So Fangraphs, they have the bench projected as Dahlback, Alfaro, uh, Ref Snyder, and Tapia. I, I think I think that's a good bench. I, I really like the way that bench looks. You know, can injuries happen and, you know, guys end up, you know, falling into place? Maybe Duran ends up getting, a, you know, coming up to the, the major league team if a guy goes down. Uh, yeah, sure. But I think right now, this is the bench that I think it needs to be. So, but uh, let's talk about the bullpen. Let's talk about the bullpen uh, before I do get out of here. Bullpen is looking great, right? There's not a whole lot to question with this bullpen. Uh, there is one 
one little wrinkle that we do need to discuss. Uh, there was an injury uh, to uh, Jolie Rodriguez coming over to the Red Sox this past offseason, was with the Mets last off, or last season. And he was pretty solid, but uh, he strained his oblique not too long ago. Uh, this was another lefty for the Red Sox bullpen. You had Richard Bly you have Richard Blyer as your other lefty. Uh, but Jolie Rodriguez, a lot of people will look at that ERA, 4.47. And they're probably thinking, huh, that's, that's not amazing by any means. But however, take a look at the FIP, a 3.23, uh, XFIP at a 3.46. Uh, this is a guy that had 10 strikeouts per nine out of the bullpen last year. Sure, the walks did tick up a notch to about four and a half. But this is a guy, he's hard to pick up. He doesn't give up a lot of hard contact. Uh, so I like Jolie Rodriguez for this bullpen. Unfortunately, he's going to be starting on the IL. Uh so you are going to have to, I think you got to put another lefty in here. I'm one of those guys, man. I like to have a couple of lefties. I like to have a lefty at the back end as a setup guy. And I like to have a lefty in middle relief. That's just how I've always looked at it. Playing MVP baseball back in the day. I just always liked having two lefties and one lefty that is having success this spring. Now, if we go take a look here. I actually had the pitching stats pulled up, so let's actually go over here. So as of right now, you have a guy named Ryan Sheriff. I mean, already just an amazing name. Ryan Sheriff already has a nickname. He's going to be the sheriff of the bullpen. Uh, but he's been having a good spring. Seven games, six and two-thirds innings, eight strikeouts, a 0.90. Or no, sorry, that is his whip, a 0.90 whip. Uh, but he hasn't given up a run this spring he's a lefty guy and actually with ryan sheriff this is why i do think this guy is going to be on this team not just because of the numbers uh but he was with tampa bay in 2020 and 2021 i mean i'm just saying heim bloom already loves the guy he's a former ray you know how heim bloom feels about his former rays uh now if i were to actually go pull up here because i'm seeing his era doesn't look too amazing from 2021 actually i don't know what happened with him last year i'm not sure he was with okay he was with philly last year in the minor leagues but he only pitched in 12 about 14 innings in the minors last year so i'm, not, I'm guessing he was going through some kind of an injury uh however if you go take a look i'm not surprised to see heimbloom pick up this guy why like i said he's a former ray okay but when i'm looking at the more advanced numbers right 2021 he had a 5.52 era over 16 games out of the bullpen but his fip was a 3.65 so right there that already sticks out so uh he's a guy he in 2021 he was walking a lot of guys he was getting a few strikeouts right around 10 strikeouts per nine um you know, if I'm going with a lefty here, you know, just to kind of pick it up for Jolie Rodriguez until he comes back, I'd probably go with Ryan Sheriff, honestly. He's a veteran guy. I think he'd be fine to just put in the bullpen for the time being. Uh, another option, and I, I'm going to try not to botch this, Adonair Mosqueda, right? He's been having a good spring as well. Uh, he's another lefty. He's a young lefty, but uh, he could maybe be a guy. Uh, he's 23 years old, but he's having he's having a good spring. Six games, six and a third innings pitched, eight strikeouts. So that's a 1.42 ERA. Uh, he's been in the he has not been in the majors. So he's been in the minors. Uh, last year he was with Double A Portland. He had 45 games. He had a 4.30 ERA. Uh, he had 76 strikeouts over 58 and two thirds innings. So he will get, he's gotten some strikeouts. I wonder if he's not quite ready for the majors yet. Now, actually, let me actually pull him up here on Fangraphs. What I like about Fangraphs is that even for the minor league guys, they show the FIPS and they show the XFIPS, which I think is just absolutely fantastic. But taking a look here, Again, he's not really a well-known prospect. Fangraphs don't, doesn't, they don't even have any, any grades on him at all. Uh, but in the minors last year, like I said, a four, or at least in, uh, yeah, in double A, 4.30 ERA, 
a 4.05 FIP, not bad, but his ex-FIP was a 3.40. That's pretty good. Uh, the strikeouts, 11.5 strikeouts per nine, three walks per nine. So this is a guy, you know, hey, could you maybe go with a bit of more of a unique option? You know, let's actually take a look at Sox prospects. Uh, taking a look, uh, what they have for him, uh, just for the overall report, uh, projects as organizational bullpen depth, ceiling of an up-and-down reliever, has improved year after year and shown bat-missing ability. Secondary pitches uh, and command and control need refinement, will show intriguing spin rates on fastball and slider, comes from a very tough angle for left-handed hitters and has excelled against them so far in the high minors. So, He's an, I don't think he will end up being the guy. It'll probably be Ryan Sheriff, but he's a name I would keep an eye out for this year. I wonder if this is a guy that could get called up at some point this year. Hey, a guy that's, you know, he's a lefty arm. He, he has good strikeout numbers and he's tough on lefties. So that sounds like a guy that could end up getting some action at the major league level, you know, pitching at double A last year. I could definitely see him, you know, maybe coming up for the Red Sox at some point. Could they go with him in the beginning maybe uh but other than that this bullpen is looking really good i haven't touched on the bullpen too much i did uh, a couple of previews i talked about the lineup a couple episodes ago i talked about the starting rotation in the last episode so really diving into this bullpen i do think this could be the strength of the team you know ken a lot of people were worrying about kenley jansen you know with the pitch clock because kenley jansen is one of the has been one of the slowest workers in however long now so people were wondering like how is he gonna do but it seems like he has pretty much put to rest those concerns he's been fine uh love the addition of chris martin at the back end john schreiber was really good last year i do see schreiber maybe taking a step back this year he seems like a candidate where he kind of came out of nowhere last year so i wonder if those numbers are going to come back a little bit or who knows maybe he ends up being solid yet again uh, i love the addition of richard blyer getting him in the Matt Barnes trade. I think Blyer, you know, sure, he's a veteran guy. He's approaching 36 years old, but this is a guy who's tough to hit. You know, we're talking about lefties. He's going to be great for this bullpen. I think Blyer's going to come up in a lot of big spots. Um, and then you guys, you know, and again, the rotation, once these guys like Whitlock and Bayo and Paxton, if he comes back, you know, finally, you know, making starts, then, yeah, you're going to see Halk, I think, go back to the bullpen. Crawford can go back into long relief. Uh, so I definitely see those guys taking some spots here. But then you got some other guys here. Ryan Brazier, Caleb Ort, and Zach Kelly. A lot of people love to jump on Ryan Brazier. Uh, he he is It's frustrating when he's on the mound. However, when you look at the advanced numbers, and this is why he still has a spot on this team. ERA was a 5.78 last year, but the FIP was a 3.61. The XFIP was a 3.49, so his projected numbers are good. He has velocity as well. That's like the one thing. He's averaging 96 miles an hour on the velocity. I do think he's going to have a good year. I really, really fully believe that. I think he will have himself a really good year. And, and here's one reason why. Because when you take a look at the batting average on balls in play, it was a 335 for him last year whereas you know if you go back to 2018 he was really solid in the bullpen that year it was a it was a 198 you know I do think that 335 BABIP is going to come down I just to me his stuff is better than what the numbers say you know I, I do think you're going to see a better season out of Richard, or Richard uh, Ryan Brazier, I personally think. I think he's going to be a pretty solid arm in this bullpen. Or who knows, maybe I'm completely wrong and then everyone's just completely right. Uh, but either way, I like the bullpen. I definitely think this is going to be a strength of the team. Uh, the, what I'm looking for with the Red Sox pitching this year, five, six innings every start. If you at least try to get five, and let the bullpen just finish the games. I think if the Red Sox have that formula, they can win a good amount of games. I really think that. We saw that in 2021. We did. We saw these guys in the first half of that season. You know, you had Perez, you had Richards, right? You, that rotation looked blah. 
going into that year, right? But they were making their starts every fifth day, right? And they were going into like the fifth inning, right? If they were they were going into the fifth inning, giving up two, three runs, it gave the bullpen a chance, right? And we saw what ended up happening. You know, I think this team, I think has that same recipe here, right? Again, there's gonna be a lot more, you know, guys to pay attention to when it comes to their health. But what I like about the Red Sox rotation and just pitching in general is they have more depth now. They have more guys that they can go to. And that's why I think this team could be a, a success this year. Uh, but the bullpen looking strong, looking good. I think it's going to be a good part of this team. But everyone, that's all I got for tonight. That's all the Red Sox I have for tonight. Uh, one week until opening day. Very excited. Uh, I always love this time of the year, man. I mean, I love that we just got a treat. Uh, for the World Baseball Classic that spring training tends to be a bit more slow, uh, especially when you get into the middle of it. It, it feels like you're just kind of waiting for it to end. Uh, the World Baseball Classic really helped that out. Uh, and here we are, one week out. I'll, I always love how this time of the year feels. Uh, it's going to be a great day uh, for opening day next week. I'm excited for it, and I know all of you are excited for it too. Uh, but stay tuned for the next episode of the Believe in Red Sox podcast. Uh, if you haven't already, please hit the like button for me. It really helps out with the algorithm. Uh, subscribe if you're new. Uh, if you're listening to this on a separate platform for podcasts, if you can, leave me a five-star review. That would be amazing. Uh, but everyone, I'm going to get out of here. What time is it? It's 11.30. I got to go to bed. I'm tired. Uh, everyone, have yourself a great night. And I'll talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.